this rush on the links. In your life have you seen anything like that? Is it his time? Yes! Now on the team, your host from Anaheim, California, Trent Rush. Happy Saturday and welcome to Rush on the Links here on this Ryder Cup weekend. Uh, team USA smoking the Europeans right now. Just impressive to see how well uh, Team USA has played. But uh, we're going to shift gears for just a moment. Nico Bellini, who's normally with us, is currently playing in the U.S. Mid-Amateur in Massachusetts right now. He's in Nantucket competing uh, for a chance to play at the Masters. So no Nico this week. Instead, I wanted to take this time to bring some of my buddies on, Ryan Cornelius and Jeff Christensen. Uh, we're going to call this the Buddy Trip episode because... We just got back from Bandon Dunes. Unbelievable experience. We're going to talk about Bandon. And then later on in our show, Tom Coyne will be joining us. Tom has written some tremendous, tremendous golf books. In fact, his most recent adventure has been with Bill Murray and the Murray Brothers. So that's going to be really exciting to hear Tom share some details on that. He's got a new book out, A Course Called America. I just finished it. I absolutely loved everything about A Course Called America. Um, just it, it was fun for him just to go across the country. I was very envious of this as he's just going across America trying to find the great American golf course. And there are some here on the West Coast we're going to talk about in a bit. Uh, But it was cool just seeing him go from, you know, $50 courses in Arkansas to the most private of private elite clubs you could possibly go to and just about everything in between. So that was neat stuff uh, from Tom Coyne. We will uh, hear from him coming up a little bit later on. Right now, I know that many people are all into the Ryder Cup this week and rightfully so. Team USA has been tremendous. I don't want to go too far here. I don't want to jinx anything, but man, Team USA has looked really, really good. But on top of that, I'm sitting here watching Whistling Straits going, man, I got to get to Whistling Straits. And part of the beauty of that is you start thinking about, okay, how do we put a trip together? Do we go and we start, you know, hey, you go to Wisconsin, it's Whistling Straits, but it's also Black Wolf Run. It's also going to, uh, you know, Mammoth Dunes and Sand Valley. And and then you're also trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I get to Aaron Hills too? And it's putting a whole trip together. That's the beauty of this. And I got my buddies with me here in studio now. We got Jeff Christensen, who was our champion when we just got back from uh, Bandon Dunes a couple of weeks ago. Jeff, first of all, congratulations on the win. It's good to have you here. Thank you, Trent. And I'm really looking forward to that championship dinner uh, we got coming up pretty soon. And um, I'll get that menu to you guys shortly. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that <laughs> at all because Ryan and I have to cook it. Ryan's the best golfer in the group here, but it also means he gives up the most shots, which I appreciate as well. Yes, sitting to my right, he is Ryan Cornelius. Ryan, it's great to see you here. Thanks for coming in. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm not looking forward to cooking for you, Jeffrey, although I will congratulate you. You did play well, and we had a blast up at Oregon this week. That is the beauty of you go to a place like Bandon Dunes. And so, first of all, it's what an experience. For anybody that's ever been to Bandon, they know this, but if you haven't, we flew into Eugene. There's an airport a little closer by, but Eugene is an option. That's probably where most people end up going, trying to get down uh, to the, the Bandon area in the southwest corner of Oregon, and this place is just a mess.
Mecca, the, the job that Mike Kaiser did, you know, 25 years ago, putting this place together off the charts, started with Bandit Dunes, then they built Pacific Dunes. Pacific Dunes Golf Digest ranks as the number two golf course, public course, in the United States. Next game, Trails, they have some other great courses as well, which we really like. Old Mac, Old McDonald is up there. They have a brand new one just opened up last year in Sheep Ranch. Five courses that are all in Golf Digest top 15 for great places to golf in the United States. They're all in the top 100 public golf courses. Five of the 15 are there on that very property. It is spectacular. When you go there, you absolutely immerse yourself in golf. And I think the number one question people ask when you go to band and when you get back, okay, what course did you like the most? How do you rank them? We all are kind of on the same page on this, but Jeff, let's start with you. Uh, you're our champion, so you get to go first. Let's rank the the Bandon Dunes Resort courses for which ones maybe you like the most and, and some of the reasons why. So all five of these courses, Trenton, are top ten courses I've ever played. So when we're talking about one through five, very small margin between the first to the fifth course. So for me, it's Bandon. It just has a nostalgia feeling to it, and uh, it's the original course, and it's... The best thing about all five of these courses is the average golfer can play them and play well there. But Bandon, for me, is number one. Trail, this is probably 1A, 1B, 1C for the top three. Um, Trails is number two for me. Um, I just love the completely different feeling from all five or four other courses. You're in the trees and the mountains, and I just love that feeling. You guys more know, know more about the technicalities and the layouts and that stuff better than I do. I just go based on what I feel and what I like. Um, but that's all that matters. That's right. I mean, it's just what do you like? Right, exactly. And uh, uh, Old Mac was pushing trails for that second spot for me. It's just a great course to play. Um, it's I've never been to Europe. Ryan has, um, and he says it's the most similar to a Scottish or Irish course. And, yeah. Um, for me, I've never played a course like that, and it's cool like that. Pack's number four for me. I know it's number two um, on Golf Digest, but it's just... There's a few holes in there that are a little hokey for me. Um, it's a tough course, too. Maybe that's why it slid a little bit on mine, because I didn't score very well there. <laughs> yeah. um, and fifth is just Sheep Ranch. I think we're all on the same page on that. It's just it's a newer course. It's a great layout. Um, I think we all play our best there, but it's just too new, I think, to See, be higher. Here's the thing, though. You, you talk about how at Pacific you didn't score great. Well, you boat raced me. I mean, I, I played terrible there. I, that was, and, and I, I try to like not put that into the equation, right, when you're trying to figure it out. But, but inherently, I think your score is going to have some kind of an impact on how you feel about the course. But there are other things to that. Ryan, I, I know you, you've, had, you've actually played these courses a lot better than you did when we were there a couple of weeks ago, and you still like some of these. Um, are, are, you, are you with Jeff? Is Ban? in number one for you i think trails is the best because i think when you get into that forest you can still hear the ocean when you get back on abandon you're kind of thinking when you see it on the websites when you see it in all the the editorials you kind of think i'm on the ocean i can see the waves crashing but when you get into trails you play these forest holes you get into these homely feeling holes and you can just hear the ocean and you're a mile away from the ocean you can still hear it yeah. and you just have these pretty views so i think i would switch that with jeff um, I would go Bandon Dunes, probably tied with uh, Old Mac for me, number two. And Jeff's right. I've played in Scotland um, a couple times, and I think Old Mac is the closest to a St. Andrews as you can get. It's all out in front of you. Um, you can see all the holes from the top of number three, and it's just a fantastic course. Um, Bandon Dunes is tied, I think, number two. It's more of an Irish course. You get on the ocean for six, seven holes. It's all out in front of you. I think also Bandon Dunes is probably the most championship level of the five. Yeah. Um, they had the U.S. Amateur 
um, last year there, and I think it's fantastic. I agree with Jeff on the back two. I think Pacific and Sheep are the last two in mine. Both are great. And when we say last two, I mean, you put them down here in Southern California, and they're my favorite courses by far. Yeah. But on that property, I would say if I would go again and just would have to play, you know, the first one first and the last one last, I would just say I would probably play Sheep last and probably play Pacific fourth. So I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you guys to a certain extent. I, I, I like Sheep more than I thought I was going to like Sheep. I, I thought Sheep was really cool. And then it was really fun. Like on the 17th hole at Sheep, we're playing on the water. You play in the morning, and your front nine, you're not dealing with much wind. Then you get to the back nine, and all of a sudden, that wind starts howling. We got you know a pretty steady 40-mile-an-hour breeze. I'm hearing the pros complain about whistling straights, how they don't like that it's 30 miles an hour. Well, here at Bandon, I mean, you're at Sheep Ranch. You're on the water. That, that wind is Howling there, what Jeff? What you uh, you hit a seven iron into seventeen that balloon? Yeah. And you're thirty yards short or something? I had a good driver out the tee. I was probably 120 out. Hit a seven iron, which should go 190, and I was 15 yards short. Yeah, not even close. Right? It, just, yeah. it gets up in the air and balloons. And then you know, I'm sitting there looking, going, "Man, okay, now I got to try to hit a little punch and keep this thing low." You end up playing that style, which I think is cool. There are not very many places. In the U.S., I think where you get an opportunity to do that kind of thing, where you get into kind of um, you know play the ground game. There's just not a whole lot of courses like that, so that that part was fun. Uh, Ryan, I I keep going back and forth. Old Mac, just the Scottish feel, all that. I also played the front nine really well there, so I think that's part of it. But I I I, I left the trip thinking trails, banding trails is my favorite. Um, I've switched that. Looking back on it, I'm going to go Old Mac one, banding trails two, banding dunes is outstanding. The only knock I think I kind of have on Pacific Dunes, and the reason why it's not higher, despite the Golf Digest ranking, as Jeff mentioned, a little bit hokey, sure, but I also think that that's one of the courses that was the most manufactured of the five courses up there. That that one is the least natural of the five. Everything else kind of was, was what you see is what you get, and just the way that they crafted the landscape up there. So I, 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 I kind of knock it a little bit for that. Um, I would actually put Sheep Ranch at four over Pacific Dunes. I, I really like Sheep Ranch. I don't, I don't know what it was. I didn't play exceptionally great there. It was the last round of the trip. You're tired. You have to walk the whole time. There are no carts. All of that um, made things kind of interesting. The other part, too, which I think is cool, and you guys can speak to this, I think you have to have a caddy. Um, I don't know that you necessarily need one for every player, but I think you at least need a four caddy in the group. I think that's part of the experience. Especially the first time, I would say. At yeah. least going forward, and now being there a couple times, I would say going that first time, you you don't really know or see anything in front of you that first time. And it's not even just for the club hitting. It's not for the, the history of the course. But there, it's camaraderie. At that point, you're hearing stories. I mean, we, we, have, a, we have a single uh, caddy that Jeff had this Jordan. whole trip that yeah. we've had every time we've gone. Right, Jeffrey? Yeah, Jordan is awesome. And I think it's it also depends on the caddy. We didn't have one our first round, and our fourth partner did. And it kind of... I want to say ruined the experience, but it, it made it less enjoyable. Um, but you got you to gotta make sure you have a good caddy. Jordan was a great caddy for us, and he, he like Ryan said, I think it's great for your first time out there to have one. I'll always have one out there, um, especially we're playing two rounds a day. I'm kind of lazy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but don't want to carry my bag all. But um, as far as just knowing the course and different shots to play that you would never play in California here, right? Um, it's great to have that, to, especially for a guy like me who's – an average golfer and doesn't know too much about trick shots and all this other stuff and um they really help you score well and 
the history and like Ryan said, stories sure. and stuff like that. So, well, what I thought was great. Too, I mean, there is something real to like the golfer, the the golfer caddy relationship. Like, it's a real thing. You see it on the PGA Tour, but even when you go to somewhere like this, when you're spending you know three four rounds with the same caddy, you kind of develop a bit of a relationship. And as helpful as as Jordy was to Ryan and I. He was your caddy. I mean, I mean, he was trying to help you win, and, and that I thought that made it really fun. Like you guys were a team, and I think that there's something to that. Uh, Trent, I think we were sabotaged there. That's what a it was bit by Jordan. That's, I think that, that we can true. blame all of our <laughs> faults, our loss, completely on Jordan. Jordan, if you're listening, this is this is all on you, bud. Thanks. Money okay. can buy championships. There you go, and and money did buy a championship there because uh, we were we were too cheap to to chip in for a, we a, another caddy. But I, I think having at least one in the group. I think is important. Um, I, I mean, I was fine carrying my own bags. Sure, I was tired by the end, but I, I was, you know, it was really fun. I think you got more adrenaline keeping you going there. The, the only thing I wish I wasn't so tired for, um, at the end of the round, and I don't know about you guys, my favorite part of the whole trip, punch bowl. Hanging on the punch bowl. It's, it's a two-acre putting green. For those that don't know, they set up 36 holes of, of putt putt golf and they change the holes every day i think i made a nine on one of them i mean it's like it was like really it's really fun doing there's a bar on there for me that's my favorite experience as great as the golf is when you can wind down go grab a cocktail out of the trailer and then go putt around with your buddies and you're that we did more betting i think on the punch bowl than we did on the golf course well think about this like when you think of your youth right you think of a lot of like summer camps you think of camps things like that i feel like bandon is an adult Summer camp. I like that. You essentially go, and you go and play golf all day. And when you're done with golf, what do you do? You go and play more golf on the punch bowl. But when you go to the punch bowl, you get to have a drink. You get to have a cocktail in your hand. You get to just have fun. We get to almost fall over on the greens when it's almost dark because we can't see outside. So I think it's just like that. It's that trip where you don't have to be so serious, where you can go have fun playing golf, and then when you're done, you don't just have to go home. You get to just go to the lodge. You get to go play more golf. You get to putt. You get to just focus on one thing, and I think that just makes it so much more special than a lot of places in the country. And you guys are right when it comes to that fun social aspect of it. Just even meeting other guys on there and seeing all the competitions. Yeah. And, um, it's a blast. Great way to end the day at, after playing uh, 36 and uh, get some uh, bets going on. And How big were the drinks. roars on Punch Bowl from the other groups of oh 10 gosh. or 12 that were all over? And mind you, if you're listening and you haven't been there, this, this Punch Bowl is two acres it, it, you can't it, it, fathom it's, it's how big ma- this putting it's green is. It might be bigger. Like, it is massive. Trying to, and you're walking around there, and you, all you see is putting green, and and you try to take pictures, and that just does not do it justice at all. But you're right. That was so much fun. I loved. See, I like. So we stayed on property, and we were able. We take a shuttle everywhere to all of our rounds, and you go to the practice range, and then you end up talking to different people when you're on the bus. Which for me is the perfect amount of time. Is like a five minute ride talking to somebody, <laughs> just enough to get their story and hear what's going on. And boy, we heard some good ones. How about the group that we saw? So we see this group, right? That's all in purple jackets, and we're like, what is going on with these guys? Turns out they basically did like their own version of a Ryder Cup, and this is everybody. They, there were some players that were like 18 years old to 75 and 22 handicaps to scratch golfers and everything in between. But the best ever was the dude. Remember, remember that ride back. The dude. Everyone's like all happy and excited, but one guy was sitting there in the corner. The old guy just just suffering, and we're like, man, like, hey, what's going on? He goes, man, I just lost 10 grand. Well, he was a captain. Yeah, he was the, ca- captain's, the captain's bet. He was a captain's bet. Yeah. $10,000. I think that's got to be your next trip is get a it's good for your first trip to kind of go experience it, but once you played there, it's fun to go back and maybe do a Ryder Cup or something like that where we have 
couple teams of four or six or whatever and um, make something more fun out of it. And yeah, the betting is great and all, but doesn't take away from the course at all. The courses are just amazing out there. See, I, I thought, like, so going for a first time, I really wanted to play the courses naturally. Like, I wanted to go strokes play. Like, I really wanted to do that. But I could see how fun it would be, especially now watching the Ryder Cup. Like, if you were able to get a group together and you, you went on some of these, like, these are all championship-level courses. If you went, like, alternate shot with somebody there or did some match play, I mean, that could be, like, not for the first trip. The first, you just got to go experience right. it and, and play the courses and, and put up a number. But I do think that, like, playing some different games up there, like, that's a perfect place to do it just because there's so many different championship-level courses. You just don't see that anywhere else in America. No, I think the Lynx courses in general, it, it, why we see it in the U.K. a lot, just set up well for match play. And I think all of these courses, minus trails, which I still think is somewhat linksy, even though it's a forest course, just sets up well for a match play, an alternate shot. And I think that's why you see the U.S. Amateur there. Yeah. And it played so well at Bandon Dunes to see those young guys firing match play that I think if you, after your first time, after you go and just, you know, just see the place, I think you could take a big group. And I don't know how many courses or how many facilities in the country could really, where you could take eight or 12 guys play a bunch of courses, match play, alternate shot, and just go have fun for a week and not have to move. Yeah. Back to back to trails just for a minute. So you play the first two holes are like dune style, just like the rest of the property. And then like you go on to three, and there is just this unbelievable reveal of here you go into the mountains. It's just so unlike anywhere else. Like trails jumps to me. That's a course that I think over time is going to maybe end up in the top ten. Like you compared it kind of to, to Spyglass, right? In and a way, Spyglass is my favorite course outside of Pebble up in Monterey, and um, Trails just has that feeling yeah. of ocean forest. Best of both worlds on one course. Really high. We shouldn't be giving away the secrets here because I still want to be able to get tee times at Trails. Uh, yeah. That's the that's the downside. Uh, sorry, Trails is the worst of the yeah. five courses. You really shouldn't touch it. <laughs> nine, no, it's a fantastic nine, course. They, they say like 900 rounds a day. There's rumors of a sixth course going in up there. Uh, the Bandon Dunes Resort. You, you can, I, we cannot say enough good things. It was an unbelievable experience. I hope everybody listening gets a chance to do it at some point in their lives. Um, okay, what's next? Like, Where do you guys want to go next? Because we got to figure this out now. Have we I thought really want to go to Europe and do. Ireland, I think Scotland. I need to take you too. We need to go. We need to go to Ireland. You Ireland, need to Scotland. do a ten day trip and do half in Ireland, half in Scotland, and go knock them out. I know. I, I, it's hard to get on the old course, and I'm seeing that like, even for like 2022, all the 2020 and 21 cancellations due to COVID have all gotten pushed into 22. So that might need to be a 23 trip for 22. I, I want to go to Wisconsin. I, I think so. I agree. Yeah. yeah, we can't travel. That's, that's my next uh, America. Yeah, Golf I think we need to, to go do it. Yeah, I think Wisconsin sounds really good. Well, I, we have the perfect person that could help guide us through our journey, and that's who's joining us next. Ryan, Jeff, thank you guys very much. Really appreciate you coming in. Jeff, congratulations on the championship once again. Thank you, and I look forward to you guys' good cooking pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, we and, got uh, the, oh boy. the champion's dinner is uh, soon to be prepared. All right, here's one of the great golf authors out there. He's written a course called Scotland, a course called Ireland, and most recently a course called America. He's Tom Coyne joining us now. Tom, really appreciate you taking some time uh, for us from your your busy golf schedule of playing all over the world these days. Um, what have you been up to lately? Because I, I've seen some fun pictures on Instagram. Uh, Trent, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I've been bouncing around again. Uh, I can't stay still for too long, I guess. The summer was, you know, the book came out in May, and so I spent most of the summer. It was kind of fun. I actually was, was doing these book signings and events at golf clubs. A lot of them were in the golf uh, course called America Book. So 
it was kind of like doing the book again. You know, I was out there on the road uh, playing 18, 36 holes a day and, uh, you know, giving talks and signing books. So I, I've been doing that for the last few months. Most of August, I actually spent in Ireland, uh, which was, it was exciting, you know, to, to find out that we were, one, that we could go back there, you know, that we were allowed in. Um, and we had an event there, the Coin Cup, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, it's a trip I do every year for friends and readers. So we were able to do that, and then this year was a little different. After the Coin Cup, um, uh, I, I hosted a trip for the the Murray brothers. Um, Brian or Brian wasn't able to make it, but Joel, Andy, Bill, uh, Johnny, and their their sons and cousins, and twenty Murrays bouncing around Ireland, which is um, which is a pretty fun way to do it. I'm not going to lie to you. I would say so. How's uh, how's Bill Murray hitting it these days? You know, he got a couple days. It's funny, you know, with Lynx golf, it, it, it feels very different. It's almost a very different kind of sport. And uh, it was cool to see him and all the brothers, like after two or three days, get loose, get into the field, get used to that, you know, real firm sandy soil over there. And so by the end of the trip, he was hitting it really well, uh, actually. I was just watching. We filmed some of it, and we'll be sharing it out there in the in the the Twitter sphere somewhere out there. And I was just looking at it today and he was actually really hitting it well. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So I'm not too familiar with his brothers, but I would imagine if I'm playing in that group, I can't sit down. I'm laughing so hard. There's no way I could hit the golf ball because I'd be, I feel like I'd be crying laughing the entire time. I'll tell you, it was more, you know, they love their golf. They grew up around golf. They all caddy. Um, golf is just a big part of their lives. And, so when they're out there, I mean, everyone's having fun, but they're grinding too. You know, they're, uh, none of the brothers wanted to have the high score that day. So, um, and it was kind of cool. They were with their sons as well, uh, and all the cousins together. So it was a real, like, kind of nice family bonding trip that was, you know, I agree. I mean, we had a lot of laughs, but it was actually when, when we were, you know, stepped back and looked at it, it was like, wow, that was just pretty cool to get that a few generations of Murrays together. And to have them bonding on an Irish golf trip, it was it was a blast. The bus and the dinners, a lot of laughs, a lot of <laughs> lot, a lot of laughs. Sure. So, Tom, a quick question for you regarding you know your travels in Ireland, and Scotland, and for me, when I go back there and play golf, right, there's a there's a mystique and an aura, right, a reverence for where you're playing golf. And I know recently you've gotten into Hickory Golf, or maybe you've been into it for a while, um, and you were scheduled to play in the U.S. Hickory Open, as was I, but for various reasons we couldn't make it when you go back there do you enjoy playing with you know old hickory clubs or just kind of you bring more of that feel of what golf was meant to be kind of like the whole soul surfing aspect where it was a simple game when you play hickory golf it doesn't go very far but it also doesn't go very crooked and it makes the game very easy simple quick you just kind of hit it straight and go get it you can't go after tucked flags do you, you know, ever dabble in that when you're playing back there just for fun to kind of rattle some cages with some people? Because I certainly do. I mean, it's hard to, you know, when you're over there and you show up to a foursome and you're the one guy carrying old clubs and everybody's got modern equipment, people kind of look at you with a stink eye. But, you know, does that ever, you ever do that? You know, just kind of take the hickories out there or just old persimmons and just kind of feel what golf was, how it was meant to be played and with, you know, it plays a little bit longer yeah. and use the contours. Actually, you know, I wish I did it more. I do do it, though. But And the, and the first time I ever played with hickories was near St. Andrews. There is an estate there. It's in a course called Scotland. I have mm-hmm. to reference my own book to remember where it was. But they have a hickory course um, where you can go back. You play in, you know, you wear your period dress. And, um, 
and you you know they serve you ginger beer and cookie you know like <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's a very old school kind of um kind of feeling and um and that was my first time doing it was actually in scotland and you know for a long time i thought oh, hickory it's kind of a, a niche weird thing and um and i was just shocked how much i enjoyed it and you know then i've done it a few times since i, I did it in a course called america you know played with the northwest hickory society mm-hmm. and um, I don't have my own set, so I rely on them to like set me up. And thankfully, there are people that know way much more more about it than I do, and 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 set me up pretty well. But someone there, my friend Billy Bogey, you know, really, yeah, I know Billy. Um, yeah. yeah, he he expressed to me what it was. I put my finger on like why I was having so much fun because I was surprised. Like you said, it is fun. I wasn't hitting it far. I wasn't really getting it very high in the air. But I was keeping it in front of me, and we were playing. We played really fast because we weren't looking for golf balls. Like that's you know my game is long and wrong, you know, and uh, and you can't really do that with hickory golf. And Billy expressed this idea. He said, you know, when you're playing hickory golf, that golf shot wherever it goes, that really belongs. That's all yours. That really belongs to you. There's really very little between you and the golf ball. When you're playing modern golf, there's you know 400 years of technology and research and development, you know, helping you get that golf ball going. And so, you know, that, when I thought about that, I'm like, that's actually a really cool way of looking at it. There's really much less between me and that golf ball. And that's a, it's a pretty pure experience. And I love it. It's just been, it's just been a lot of fun to get into that. Yeah. You really have to have a, a, you have to change your mental outlook and your mindset when you go from modern technology to Hickory. Because people kind of get frustrated because it doesn't go very far, but it's a whole different way of looking at golf. You got to use the ground, you got to use the contours to shape the ball, and like I said, it's simple. You know, there's no I'm gonna hit a yeah. low flighted seven iron, or I'm gonna hit a, I'm gonna jump on an eight iron and try to carry it. It's like, well, I got a I got the seven that I you know I'm gonna hit a sort of a low knuckly ball up the gap and hopefully it turns out for the best. Because you know you put good swings and you get some squirrely shots because they're wooden shafts. They're not you know flighted correctly. But I I have a set. Um, sort of a split set from Tad Moore and from Jeremy over at Louisville Golf that uh, they're brand new modern hickories, if you want to call them, that they can fly it to whatever shaft flex you want. It's really neat. And you can kind of get dialed in and, and have a nice set built out. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely that side of me that I really, I can be a gearhead and geek out on modern technology and golf clubs. And, and, and that's, a, that's a lot of fun for me. And that's a different mentality, right? You know, you have to change your, totally change your mindset and um, and play with a different set of expectations versus like, you know, the modern mindset is if I had, a, if I hit a bad shot, uh, there's something wrong with my gear. Right? <laughs> uh, or I was, I wasn't fit correctly. It's the, it's the club's fault. It's always and, a close uh, fall, right? Yeah. When you're playing Hickory, you got to You got to totally adjust that. Yeah. And you really got to become a lot more open-minded and accepting mm-hmm. of what happens out there, which is probably a good way to it's play. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. Anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I want to talk yeah. about a course called America for a moment, Tom, because for me, it was just it was a really fun read as somebody that has a whole bucket list of courses I want to get to. You played almost all of them. Then there's a list of the courses I have been to. So then I was very curious to see, okay, what did what did Tom think of this place? What I found so interesting about your journey for finding, you know, the great courses in America 
was sometimes it almost seemed like it was more about the people you were with and the stories that go along with just the experience of being there almost more so than the course itself. What were some of the things that you felt like you were able to find while you were on this journey that maybe would separate a place from, let's just say, a a list of the top 100 courses? Yeah, thank you for saying that. And that was definitely what I'm after, what I was after. And, and, and hopefully it's something that, you know, I've been, that's sort of been developing as, you know, doing a course called Ireland, a course called Scotland, a course called America, and something I've been learning about golf and golf stories that, you know, the stories, the stories are about people, you know, stories are about people and situations uh, that whether they come out, whether they win or lose, whether they fail or they're victorious and whatever challenges they're facing. Now, what's cool about golf is it gives you all sorts of challenges. On the golf is very hard. And so there's always something to write about on the golf course. But with people, you know, where they become really most interesting is in their lives, in golf and away from golf. You know, who are they? Why do they do the things that they do? Um, I mean, those are big human questions. And golf is such a great way. As a writer, I feel this great. I have, I'm really gifted with, um, not, not I'm a gifted writer, but I'm gifted by golf that it puts me in contact with strangers all the time who want to talk and want to reveal who they are through 18 holes of golf. Uh, you know, the chance to speak with people that you've never met before that you would never meet outside the context of 18 holes, you know? So that's, it's golf as a writer is just a treasure trove. Um, and traveling around America and getting to meet people from all 50 States, you know, it was the search for the great American golf course. So I had to decide what is a great golf course and also what is an American in 2019? Um, you know, and so I, I wanted to go figure that out by going to every single state and playing it with as many people as I could. You know, so it took 300 courses and a lot of people, um, not all that even made it into the book, you know, to, um, you know, to, to try and sort of figure out, you know, what is American in 2019. And, um, and it's, and, and what I discovered is it's, 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 it's quite vast and it's also in a lot better shape than I thought it was you know, this, this country than when I left, you know, sitting on, sitting on the couch in Philadelphia, you can get quite cynical about, uh, the state of things and, you know, going out and meeting people, um, and not just at fancy places and not all wealthy people. You know, I went to Muni's and some of the most, um, humble golf settings you could find, uh, and just found that from one end of the country to the other, uh, there are a lot of really good people out there. Yeah, that that was one of the things that really jumped out to me in reading it. I would be curious to know maybe some of the courses that were surprising to you in a pleasant way. Maybe a course that you maybe you didn't have a super high expectation of that that was like, man, this is a really really cool track. Were there any of those kind of that that, that jumped out to you that you got off the top of your head? You know, thank God there were so many, and because as you're doing this kind of trip, thirty six holes a day. Um, five and six hours in the car every day. Um, and, you know, don't cry for me. It was it beats digging ditches, playing golf around the clock. Um, but, you know, you do get into a, a, a space where it all starts to look the same. But thankfully, there were all these wonderful surprises, and, and some of them were nine-hole courses. Some of them were, um, you know, resort courses. Some of them were top 100 that I finally got the chance to play. Some of them were, you know, major venues that you've forgotten even hosted a major, like places like St. Louis Country Club, which I just totally blew me away. I think one of my favorite finds, um, gosh, there's so many finds, but 
going to play a place like Sylvie's Valley Ranch in Oregon, which is a working ranch um, in eastern Oregon, and no easy way to get there. Uh, but getting there and being on this working ranch where everything that you're going to eat um, while you're staying there is coming from the land, from the ranch there, um, and finding, you know, there's a, this incredible par three course there where they actually have goats caddy for you, and they have a reversible 18-hole golf course, and by reversible I mean you can play it literally in both directions, clockwise and counterclockwise, the way they used to do it at St. Andrews. To find that in Eastern Oregon, um, that you know, that those are just those kinds of gifts where you're like, man, I'm so glad not only that I golf, but that this, that, you know, that I'm able to travel and get to a place like this. Um, I mean, gosh, Oregon was full of surprises. Playing golf in the Navajo Nation uh, on, a, on on a nine-hole handmade golf course that the community um, maintained and, and you know and put there, you know, that was free and. Um, for everyone to just come and play and, and, and take part in, uh, in golf where there was no grass on the greens, just dried mud, uh, and just having the time of my life, you know, and getting to know people in that community. I mean, those are, those are surprises that I'll, I'll cherish for a really long time. You know, Tom, you bring up the goats at, at Sylvie's Ranch, and you know, I did a story for Golfer's Journal a couple of years ago on Catalina Island, and we dug up these old photos, and they had little goats carrying bags, and it's like tradition, you, know, you see it across the country and across the world. It's unreal. Yeah, and it's kind of in and out, and it disappears, and you find glimpses of it. You know, people have asked me, what's, what you know, you, you get all the time, I'm sure, is what's your favorite golf course, what's your favorite public or private golf course, but for me, it's what's your favorite hang, what's a place that you could call home, did... I know you've mentioned Sylvie's, but did anything else stand out as far as this is somewhere I could yeah. play every day? It's a good membership, and I know you're in and outs, but maybe one place that you've played before and you always have good memories. Like, man, every time I'm here, for whatever it is, the weather's good, the people are great, it's a beautiful setting. Yeah, it's not pretentious or whatever you want to call it. It's just a great place to hang, um, you know, and maybe call home one day. Because people ask when you do these trips, hey, I got. You know, 18 golf courses lined up in 14 days. I'm like, you're gonna kill yourself doing that. Right. I mean, that's you know, when people take these trips, I'm like, hey, yeah. go go pick two or three and play those two or three, three or four times, so you can really enjoy and embrace the golf course, the people, have a drink, go back out, play another nine, etc. Like, hey, go play four rounds at Prestwick and just do Prestwick in Scotland. Yeah. You know, versus doing this trip where it all does blend into one. But did one stand out? We're like, man, I, I could hang here for a long time. You know, and just and be part of the community. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you could, gosh, I could pick some in Ireland, America, Scotland. But it's funny because we just had this conversation on the Murray trip. Like, I put them on an itinerary. We had a lot of people, mm -hmm. and people wanted to see different places. And especially when you're with some first-time visitors, you know, there's, there's, you get that checklist, and you end yeah. up building that itinerary where it's 20 courses in 19 days, right? You know, it's, it's, it's where it's crazy. And and so we were kind of on that kind of trip. And, you know, at the end of it, people kind of reflected and thought, you know, we could have just stayed or what they'd like to do next time, rather, you know, let's just stay in these two places and play, you know. So for us and for uh, and especially for me, a golf course, um, there's a place called Carn in the west of Ireland, uh, in the northwest-ish, up the west coast. <laughs> um, it's pretty remote. Um, it's just about as natural and it's it's like, you know, it's a very special experience. It's got the biggest dunes in Ireland, and you go out there, and the welcome you get, and the people, it's just, 
I, it's one of those places you get and you feel like and you're there and you just kind of exhale yeah. and you just feel like, yeah, this is my spot, you know? So that is, that's kind of my spot. And we were saying, you know, next time everyone wanted to come back and just play there three or four times, stay in town and then maybe go from there. People also really loved um, going up into Donegal and playing. Now, Rossapenna is a resort in the far northwest of Ireland. Um, but now, it just recently reopened its third course. It has an old Tom Morris golf course where the resort started. Um, it added 18 holes by Pat Ruddy, who's a famous Irish architect, mm-hmm. um, called Sandy Hills. And now it just opened its third 18 by Tom Doak, uh, the St. Patrick's Links. And we went and played it, and it is absolutely stunning. So that was another place where everyone said, all right, let's just spend a week at Rossitano, which is a five-star resort. Yeah. Um, you know, get, get the, get the, you know, the, the, the great hospitality and then also get these three great golf courses and not really, and, you know, and not have to unpack your bag. Yeah, you're, you're not in a rush the whole time to, to go on to the next destination. 11 times. Did you ever get a, did you get a <laughs> chance? We stayed in, you know, 11 yeah. different hotels. It was like, by the end, everyone's looking at me like, are you serious? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, hey, you wanted to play this course, we're going to play it. So, um, but those were two spots. I think in America, the places where I'd like to kind of call home someday or get to, you know, spend more time would be, you know, down in the in the Sandhills in, in North Carolina and, yeah. and, you know, bury me at Tobacco Road. You know, <laughs> I, uh, Tobacco Road for me is a, it doesn't fit everybody's eye, but it fits mine. Um, and, and I love, I, I absolutely loved it there. And then Gerhardt in Oregon, uh, like you said, where they're having the, the hickory right now. That just has such a community feel and a great vibe to it. Um, that's a place where I could say, if that was my everyday golf course and I lived down the road there and in, in that beautiful uh, corner of Oregon, man, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, and just out there with the, with the woodies, with the hickories. I mean, that's, to me, you know, I, was, you I, was, I lived over overseas for a number of years and I was playing a practice round for a European tour event in Italy. Uh, we were down in Florence. And I remember it was about 6 o'clock in the afternoon and there was this guy... I believe he was a superintendent. He was kind of doing his afternoon run, um, checking all the sprinklers, irrigation, make sure all the bunkers are raked, that kind of stuff. His final run through. And he had a little Peroni beer with him, and he had these two golden retrievers and this old beat-up cart. You know, and he just kind of cruised down the fairways, and, you know, he had this, like, highlight-looking thing to throw the tennis ball, you know, really far. And I'm just sitting there, like, this guy's living in bliss. He's just on this golf course (laughs) on a beautiful afternoon with his two goldens, checking the course, you know, playing fetch with with his dogs. I couldn't think of a better situation to be in, and you know, Gearhart and a lot of these places in, in Ireland, Scotland, they they show that, they present that to you, and I think that's what everybody deep down wants to find one day, right? Is a place that you can call home. And, there's a simplicity, yeah, yeah. and and there's a, like you, well, there's a real simplicity to what you describe, that I think sometimes we lose sight of in our um, our sort of country club American golf world, um, and that's what's so nice about traveling and seeing golf in in a a sort of, I guess, a little more of a dressed-down version, where it's, you know, okay, the clubhouse is a place to get lunch and have your tea or your pint. Uh, the golf course is beautiful, but it's not maintained to a standard where it's pure perfection, um, because then nobody could afford to belong there, right? yeah. you know. So it's it's just it's just a little a little simpler, and it kind of reminds you of the, the simple joys of, of playing golf. Uh, yeah, not, not also, playing the money as you said, the dog is key. The fact that <laughs> In Ireland and Scotland, you see people out there with their dogs. It just every time I see that, I'm like, damn, I wish we had that more at home. But 
you know, it's hard to find here. Oh, that's that's the best. Okay, um, I don't want to give spoilers away, but I have to ask you about Cyprus. You called it the Holy Grail in your book. <laughs> yeah. How, I, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know that I will ever get the opportunity to play there. So, what can you say about? Cypress Point and being in in that place that is the, the true golden ticket of golf to get to, to be there. Yeah, you know, it really was my golden goose because and I was fortunate. And, um, you know, if you look at like the three unattainables, right, at the top of most people's lists, which would be, I would say would be Augusta, Pine Valley, and, and Cypress, right? Yeah. Um, and I go on in the book to talk about, you know, is it a good or bad thing? that we give so much reverence to these golf courses that would never tolerate any of us being there, you know, like, <laughs> so it's, it's a tricky double, you know, it's something I do talk about in the book, but in the end of the day, I mean, there is something exciting about the exclusivity of some places where you think, you know, it's a real, it'd be a real, it's cool to have dreams of playing some places. And it's also cool when they come true. And I've been fortunate that, you know, living in Philadelphia, I'm 40, I'm 35 minutes here from, you know, Pine Valley, so I've been fortunate to get there a few times. And Augusta, I, I've been to Augusta once, and, and that's in the Scotland book, so that left, you know, Cyprus, this, this course. How am I going to get there? And as someone that lives on the East Coast, as much as I know people from Pine Valley, I don't know anybody from Cyprus, right? So there, there was just, that was a, a tough, that was going to be my impossible get. I'm trying to arrange 300 tee times, and there's just one stuck there as the, you know, am I going to be able to make this happen? How am I going to make this happen? Um, and so that's one of the three lines in the story of, you know, meeting certain people and putting some certain people, putting me in touch with other people that, you know, can, can make things happen for you. And I think that, um, you know, that's one of the great, cool storylines of playing. Well, it's one of the great, cool things of being a golfer um, is that people generally, as, as much as, you know, a golf in America can perhaps be elitist or exclusive, there are a lot of people who want to share golf with you too. They want to share their golf course with you. And not just because you're, if you're a writer or somebody notable or whatever, um, you know, if you, if you really want to play someplace and, and put some effort into it, um, you know, you can, you can get there. And, and then it's that much more special because I do think at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, people want to, people want to share with you their, how special their golf courses are. So whether or not I was able to see Cyprus, um, I, I will uh, I'll leave that to all of you who are going to run out and read the book. Um, but if I was going to play Cyprus, it would be pretty, really special. Uh, it's a golf course that has uh, a lot of golf courses within it, you know, seaside, links, um, sort of pine land as well. And it's, it's uh, in my mind, just about the perfect, in a lot of ways, sort of the perfect golf course. The book is called A Course Called America. He is Tom Coyne hanging out with us now. Tom, thank you so much uh, for all the time you shared with us today. Uh, congratulations on all the success of the book. I, I, every, I would recommend this to every single person listening to this right now. Go check out A Course Called America. I'm starting up A Course Called Ireland now, so now I'm going to get all excited to go uh, find out where you and the Murray brothers played. But really appreciate everything, and Tom, thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. Be well. Thank you, Tom.
highly recommend A Course Called America. Uh, quite frankly, I read this book. I've been reading Tom Coyne and Golfer's Journal for some time, and when I saw this book, um, I picked it up, I read it, I loved it, and then I said, okay, I, how do I reach out to Tom to get him on the show? Because I, I loved it so much, I wanted to have Tom on uh, to come talk about it. So I highly recommend that. Uh, I'm going to try to find a, a copy of A Course Called Ireland or A Course Called Scotland next, because I think that's what uh, I want to dig into here in this uh, upcoming baseball offseason. It's been fun having uh, Ryan and Jeff, a couple of my buddies, hanging out with us to go over that Band and Dunes trip. What an experience that was. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Band and Dunes and, and just how spectacular it was. And, you know, there, there's so many fun places. And, you know, a lot of them were in Tom's book and uh, talking about Sylvie's Ranch, which is in Oregon, too. And there's like a donkey that you can take as a caddy, like different things. And, you know, Ryan, actually, I wanted to ask him about this. Um, he's getting ready or he was getting ready to go on a trip. Uh, ran into some travel trouble, which is why it's not going to happen. But then he was talking about going up to, to Gamble Sands and Chambers Bay. Um, you know, you're not too far from Coeur d'Alene. Like if you were to fly into Seattle, you go play Chambers and you drive out east and you, you play Gamble, which is um, an, another uh, David McClay kid course. Uh, then you go hit Coeur d'Alene. Like I just think it's really fun trying to think of ways to put together these trips. Like I, I think my, my spirit animal is that of a travel agent. Like I think of my next life, I think I'm going to be a travel agent. Like that's what I want to do next. Uh, but I, I, I really do feel like it's fun when you're able to figure out places you want to go. Like I do UC Irvine basketball, and the first thing I look up, okay, where are we going? Where is an opportunity to go play a new exciting course? And I know that many of you feel the same way. You know, I, I read Tom's book and I get to see about read about all of these great courses across America. And all I can think while I'm watching or, or reading this is, how do I get there next? Um, this okay, this is a place I definitely want to go. This is a place I don't necessarily want to go. But again, to the point of Tom's book, and we were talking about this a moment ago. A lot of it's who you're playing with, and it, it's not just where you're playing, but the experience of being there. What's the club like? What's the atmosphere like? You know, for me, I, I don't love places that are overly stuffy. I, I do think that there are some places that you go, and it's, it needs to be a little bit more uptight for a reason, and you feel that sense of reverence. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. Um, at the same time, you know, you don't want to feel like you're so uncomfortable the whole time that you don't want to be there. So it's finding that balance. Hey, I'm a West Coast guy. It's so funny reading about the differences between West Coast golf and East Coast golf. Even the most high-end, prestigious places here on the West Coast just are not quite as strict on things as they are back east. It's just the nature of the West Coast culture. I love West Coast golf. I feel very fortunate to have played a lot of great courses uh, here on the West Coast. And, and I'm excited about trying to go to some more of these golf adventures and share them with you here on the radio. Maybe you want to come play with us. Um, Nico's really good. I'm not very good, but I promise we'll have some fun. Uh, we'll try to find some neat spots um, here that we can just get to. And I think that's part of the direction of this show moving forward. That's something we want to do. We want to go to unique places, um, maybe some pretty popular places, and try to to find things that are different about them or maybe places that you haven't heard of that are really tremendous golf courses that are diamonds in the rough. Nico is great at finding those. Um, I work really hard to try to find them too. So I think it's going to be fun to share some of those moving forward. We're going to go to some other places, um, not just in Southern California, but, uh, but primarily on the West Coast probably. Um, but Nico's played all over and there's just so much great history. I think that the golf history
history, especially in Southern California. You know, sometimes I think that SoCal doesn't get enough credit because in California, everybody thinks of Monterey right away. And you talk West Coast golf like Bannon Dunes is now that and, and the Seattle area is emerging. You know, here in, in Orange County, there's a lot of great private clubs. There, there's not a ton of elite public courses. Um, you could say that Pelican Hill is one of those. Uh, but you go a little bit further south and you got Torrey Pines, which I love Torrey Pines. And some people I thought during the U.S. Open were giving Torrey a bad rap, but I think Torrey is a spectacular place. So um, as far as the direction of the show moving forward, those are some of the kind of places uh, we're going to be checking out. And, and other hidden gems here. There are some really neat spots. Uh, which we're going to share with you moving forward. All right, now it's time to close up shop with our 19th hole. For today's final thought, this is the 19th hole. We're going to talk more about this next week, but there has been a changing of the guard as far as the U.S. is concerned for the Ryder Cup. We have seen U.S. domination here, and this has been an end of an era. The Tiger, Phil, Furyk, those guys... That is all behind us. It is a new crop of fresh blood for the Americans, and these guys can play. I was going through the American roster, and we've talked about this many times in the show, just how deep this group is. Again, we're coming on here. There's still the Sunday play left to go, but just the way that Team USA has played, it's amazing how much talent there is. The best players are here with the U.S., and the best players have bought into playing together as a team. Guys like Patrick Cantley are just stable rocks. You can trust Jordan Spieth in big time Team USA competition how good has Dustin Johnson been Morikawa's been awesome Xander the first day was really good you could go on and on Daniel Berger stepped up in some pretty good spots going up against the very best great Ryder Cup players for the Europeans and Team USA has simply dominated really has been impressive to see what USA has done Nico and I are going to talk next week more about what is next for American golf and just how special it is to see this much talent assembled here in the States right now. And then how good have the California players been? I mean, not just Patrick Cantley, but Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, um, another California guy being Xander Shoffley, our gold medalist. I mean, California very well represented here at the Ryder Cup. It's been impressive to see, and I'm looking forward to breaking this down a little bit further next week when we get Nico back in studio. Until then, my name is Trent Rush. Thanks for listening. This has been Rush on the Links.